Hello, I'm Tom Fraser, and this is the Tom Fraser Podcast. Today, I'm in Hong Kong talking with Andy Brown. Andy is the executive director of Kadori Farm and Botanic Garden. Kadori Farm, high up in the hills overlooking Hong Kong, is a hidden jewel of a place not far from a city known for its urban density. It is my distinct pleasure to be sitting here today at Kadori Farm in Hong Kong talking with Andy Brown. Andy, when most people think about Hong Kong, they think of a densely crowded urban setting. This is true when you're closer to the harbor, but up here in the New Territories, Hong Kong is something totally different. Uh, tell us what the setting looks like at Kadori Farm. We are half an hour's drive from Central, and uh, we're surrounded by green hills, uh, forested hills. And in fact, Hong Kong is 70% green, which many people do not realize. Um, that's mainly because uh, there's, there's flat areas uh, where the development is, but there's a lot of hills and people have generally not, not built so much on the hills. And they were uh, protected, much of the land was protected by the British government in 1974, uh, and they formed many country parks, and that stopped people developing. We're surrounded by secondary forests. After the Second World War, there were almost no trees left. So during the war, uh, the Japanese had occupied Hong Kong, and they didn't supply electricity, so people used to cut down really the last of the, the trees uh, for for uh, heating and cooking. And then the trees that we have are pioneer species, and uh, that means that there's a few species that are um, very strong and can outcompete other species. And so that doesn't mean, so it means that we don't really have a really good natural forest around here. Um, luckily, there were a few remnants of native forest in gullies that um, humans couldn't get to, people couldn't get to, to cut down the trees. And so they then have provided, uh, if you like, a nursery where we can go back and we can find a few more uh, native species. And that's what we've been doing for many years, going off and finding the few remaining native trees. And uh, we've, we have a native tree nursery here, and we provide, we, we grow between 25 and 40,000 different trees, uh, individual trees every year from around 250 species. And then we plant them here at Kaduri Farm. We also give them to other NGOs and they'll plant those out in different parts of Hong Kong. And so gradually we're, we're bringing back a native forest. And what we're trying to do is um, bring, bring the, the forests back. And that's very important for climate change. A rich forest is uh, much more resilient against the effects of climate change.
surprisingly, there's many wild animals in Hong Kong. So again, people will think of it as an urban jungle, but there are many wild animals in these forests. So once the, even these, uh, um, let's say poor quality secondary forests, even they can, they can support families of monkeys and wild boar, many snakes, pangolins, um, barking deer, civets, many, many animals, so many birds, so many, so many snakes. And uh, one of the things that we do is to provide a service to the Hong Kong government and uh, the nature of Hong Kong with our wild animal rescue program. So we're the only privately run wild animal rescue centre in Hong Kong. The Kaduri brothers, Horace and Lawrence, discovered this site in the mid-1950s. It was very barren, as were all the hills in those days. And they noticed that the stream that runs through here was flowing all year round. So that's very unusual. Even today, where we have forest throughout Hong Kong, most of the streams dry up for six months of the year in the winter months. But here was a stream that flowed year-round, even when there was no forest on the hillside. And that's extremely unusual. Um, so they took that as a good sign and they investigated the site more. It's a very steep hillside. And high up on the hillside, they found a single tangerine tree. And that was enough for Horace to assume that there had been successful agriculture here hundreds of years ago. And uh, with that started a major development of a uh, nature reserve and agricultural research centre and um, uh, beautiful gardens and educational programmes. So if there hadn't been a tangerine tree or they hadn't noticed the stream, then we wouldn't all be here all these years later. After the Second World War, there was um, still a civil war in China and many immigrants came down from mainland China into Hong Kong in those days. They wanted to help people that were coming in to set up their own little farms to help Hong Kong feed itself. So there was a huge increase in population and some people had some skills but they had no livestock, others had no skills and no livestock. And in 1951, the the Kaduri brothers founded the Kaduri Agricultural Aid Association in partnership with the government and 
they then started to distribute livestock and started to provide training. But they found quickly that the uh, facilities that they had uh, nearby to here weren't weren't good enough. They weren't they weren't uh, adequate. So they started to look for a site where they could have a base for training and a base for uh, developing the livestock and keeping the livestock. And so they came searching for for land, and then they found this place in 1956. And from 1956 onwards, around 380,000 families received aid from the Kaduri Agricultural Aid Association. And uh, that could have been in the form of loans, microloans, or training, or, or cattle, chickens, pigs. We often receive letters and visits from people who knew Horace and Lawrence in those days who were really helped. And we've met people who have become top doctors, lawyers, uh, government officials, psychologists who were directly helped uh, in this in this scheme. Uh, the the loan program was very successful. That still runs today, and they have a ninety nine point nine percent payback rate on those loans. Yeah. And the the little tiny amount that isn't paid back is because people pass away. He uh, was very, you know, a wonderful visionary person. Um, and when it came to designing Kaduri Farm, they they took over this barren, really awful, scrubby, rocky hillside. And the first thing they did was to start to put roads in and terraces and a few a few buildings like chicken sheds. And people looked at that and they said, oh, you've really ruined that green hillside. You've made that really ugly with that concrete. And he would say, well, you just come back in 30 years, in 50 years, and then you'll see an oasis of nature. And uh, so he was really forward-thinking, really wonderful character. And... uh, he, you know, he put his life and soul into this place. Uh, Lawrence was more the businessman. He was looking after China Light and Power, the electric company, and the Peninsula Hotels. Um, although Horace loved the hotel as well, he was involved in that. But Lawrence was the main businessman. <laughs> We changed it from a family 
organization into a public corporation in 1995. So it was formed under ordinance in LegCo, which is our kind of parliament, as a public corporation and uh, funded by the Kaduri family. So not funded by the government, but funded by the Kaduri family. And this meant that it would, it would have a mission, uh, a purpose in perpetuity. From 1995, we were able to, with this new organization, start some new programs, which included nature conservation and sustainable living and nature education. This is the conclusion of the first segment of my interview with Andy Brown about the history and work of Kadori Farm and Botanic Garden in Hong Kong. To learn more, please go to the second segment of my interview 